Welcome to the Quantum Alignment Q&A, Humboldt series, where we traverse through an array of healing modalities to educate, empower, and excite our listeners on their path of holistic health and wellness. In sharing various practitioners' experiences and insight, we hope to cultivate a deeper relationship between one's true self, the mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional bodies. Join naturopath, transpersonal psychologist, and cannabis therapy consultant, Dr. Pepper Hernandez in the Humboldt Quantum Alignment Series. And now, here is your host, Dr. Pepper Hernandez. Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for making time to be present with us today. I am so thrilled to have Dorje Lotus Kirsten here with us today. He is an amazing man here local in our local community. He is a poet, a father, a meditator, an astrologer, and I found out today he's a tea master. Welcome. Thank you, Pepper. <laughs> Pleasure to be here. Oh, um, thank you. May I first start by offering you a cup of tea. And that is actually my cup. This one I love, Arcata, oh, was made by a local potter. Uh, Kate B is her little Etsy account. And it says, I love Arcata. <gasps> what, what a wonderful place to love. So Thank then this you. tea is called Mending Yan Lu, which is the sweet dew of Mending Mountain. And it's <gasps> one of the original uh, tea cultivars of China. So then there's this mythology that all the tea from China came from this mountain and valley. And it's uh, it was picked about five, six weeks ago, came straight from China. And you'll notice as you drink it, it has oh uh, delicate watermelon flavors. Uh, it's a very nice spring tea. Uh, the spring teas of China are known for having invigorating qi. They, they're of the wood element. And so they, then they invigorate the uh, kidneys and, and they produce a bright qi energy that creates the hopefulness of spring. Oh, we all want that. Thank you. This It's amazing. I appreciate it. So... You walked in, I have to share with the listeners, you walked in just bearing gifts. Can you tell the listeners what you brought us today? Because it was, you just walked in shining light and bringing all these wonderful things. I'd love to know more information about them. Okay. Um, I brought in a Bai Mudan from China. And Bai Mudan is the white peony tea. They're, they're very large, full leaves. And they're, they're white tea leaves. So then... The tea is spread out in the sun for five days, and it's allowed to dry naturally that way. And then once it's dried for five days, then it is pan-fried to get out the remaining moisture. And that creates a that creates a tea flavor that's very like natural. It's not overly vegetative. Uh, generally, the Bai Mudans will have uh, peach or stone fruit flavors. This one's pretty strong in the almond flavor. Uh, then it's uh, it's also very invigorating because it absorbed the chi of the sun for those five days while it was drying. And it's a little bit of a tricky tea to pull off because if it rains or the moisture comes in too heavy during those five days, then they lose the batch. So it's a very special quality tea. And then I brought in the Mending Gian Lu, which we're trying right now. And I also brought in an Old Tree Yunnan Black Ice Tea, with five milligrams of hemp-based CBD, uh, which is uh, very refreshing. The old trees are over 200 years old, so their roots have delved deep into the soil and the earth, and they're pulling out rare minerals. And then the uh, the CBD is uh, really good for uh, inflammation and uh, calming. It smells amazing. Now, you made this. Mm-hmm. The reason why I'm questioning is we had a class last night, and it was based on, it was our cannabis therapy program and our holistic health practitioner program. They were joined for one class last night on cannabis healing, and we were talking about putting CBD 
in a way into liquid like this. Like, so they have CBD water now Mm -hmm. and it's perfect because the universe aligned you to be right here to talk to me about it. I would encourage anybody though to get CBD oil and to mix it with their own tea in order to make their own CBD drinks. Uh, We're providing tea as a company, uh, Planet Teas, which is my company. But really, I feel like the sustainability of the earth is based upon everybody currently um, learning to make their own tonics. Because even once you have the glass, you've used carbon way into the future. You've borrowed from the carbon bank. Even once you've picked uh, imported tea, you've borrowed from the carbon bank. So then as people, what I'd really like to encourage everybody to do is start working with local herbs, local roots, and making their own tinctures, making their own iced tea, making their own drinks, and kind of taking a step back from the consumer society that buys the ready-to-drink from the store. You're going to save money, so you're going to become wealthier. You're going to be more personally connected to the ingredients you're using and the land you're using, and you're going to be giving your love and your chi to yourself and to your family members. So yeah, we're offering this, but I'd like everybody to like you know play around and come up with their own mixes and Wonderful. see what works for them. Well, that is very wise information. I appreciate that, and it smells yummy. I cannot wait to try it. It's amazing. So your tea company, and we'll get into it a little bit more, but since you've mentioned it, it's Planet Teas. Planet Teas. Okay. Yeah. And and people can get that locally in different areas, or they can come directly to you, or um, how yeah, is that working Yeah, it, it's right locally now? available at uh, Eureka Natural Foods, Wild Berries, uh, the Arcata Co-ops. Wow. Um, and then also we have a website, www planet-teas.com and you can order anything you want off of there or if you want you can email me and discuss tea because I love discussing tea (laughs) wow I had no idea when I first asked information about you I really thought that you were the astrologer of the community but it sounds like not only are you that but you're also this wide tea master that I had no idea that we were going to even be in interacting with today. So I'm super grateful that you're here. How did you get into the things that you're into right now? I want to dig a little bit deeper into who you are and how you've kind of formed yourself to being into astrology, into tea, and, um, you know, also being a meditator. There's a lot there, but how did you kind of come to these type of healing modalities? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It's been a long journey as it is with, with every healer. Um, with every practitioner of healing modalities. And, it, you know, it really started, I'd say, almost from the time I was born. Uh, when I was born, my parents were like far out hippies. They were living in the mountains of New Mexico in the Church's Peaks. And I was born in a, I was a home birth in a barn that didn't have running <laughs> water. And my mother was having labor difficulties, and she had been in labor for 72 hours. And the hippie community came around her. And they all uh, sat around and started chanting and doing meditation. And then uh, one of them had a, a dorje and a bell, and he rang the bell and held the dorje. And right at that point, I was born. So then they're like, oh, we're going to name him dorje. Oh, which my is a gosh. Tibetan Buddhist ritual symbolic implement. And uh, <laughs> so at the same time, there's an astrologer there. And he, like, marked down, like, oh, you know, you want to have him exactly when the moon is exactly conjunct the midheaven. And so then I had, like, this astrology destiny and this, like, Buddhist meditation destiny already laid out from the moment of my birth. It was, you know, quite something. I give a lot of credit to those, uh, what we might call the hippies of the 60s. They really trailblazed some... uh, uh, mystical experiences. Yeah. <laughs> so, the pioneers so then, uh, of that whole entire, yeah, we're very lucky. Yeah, they, they brought mm-hmm. it into the consciousness of the world mm-hmm. and, and of America, and that, that's produced a lot of positive change. Uh, so then, um, you know, I, I grew up and I ended up in uh, 1994 at the Naropa Institute, which is a university that was founded by Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche. Um, and I was studying poetics with Anne Waldman and Allen Ginsberg at the Jack Kerouac School of Disembodied Poetics, which was associated with the really? Europa Institute. Yeah. Oh my you, gosh, that's fascinating. Yeah, no, no. Do you know Anne Waldman? Well, I know of these people that you're speaking ah, of, yes, so I'm yes. like, oh my gosh, this is exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and I was um, also studying psychology there and Tibetan Buddhism. And, and I met a really remarkable man. Uh, his name was Chagdu Toku Rinpoche. 
And here's the uh, 15th chapter, Toku Rinpoche, and he had, you know, left Tibet when Tibet fell to the Chinese. And I, I immediately became like just very connected with what he was offering as a meditation master. And um, as is often the case when one meets their uh, spiritual teacher, you, you just give everything up and you try to go be with that person. So I, I did that. I gave everything up and I moved to Trinity County, California, right next to Humboldt County, where we are. And I stayed at his retreat center and um, I did many retreats uh, in the summer. I'd go up into the mountains for three months and uh, basically take vows of silence and not talk to anybody for three months and meditate. Um, I would help facilitate and run the uh, ritual uh, prayer ceremonies there, which some of our week-long, uh, very elaborate Tibetan Buddhist ceremonies. And I'd help translate uh, for different uh, teachers, one in particular named Lama Pema Dorje Rinpoche, who is uh, another outstanding Tibetan Buddhist teacher and master. Uh, and I did that for 12 years, and, you know, I was uh, <laughs> not quite a monk, so I started accumulating children, too. And eventually that led me to uh, leaving the retreat center and moving over to Arcata in order to uh, develop the, an income and a connection with the world so I could raise my children. Did you say uh, accumulating yeah. children? Yeah, I like I how you phrase that. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful, yeah. yeah. So I moved over here to Arcata. Uh, and when I left the retreat center, my teacher at the time, uh, he said, well, take what you have learned about your own mind. Because when you do deep, silent retreat, what you really do is you learn about your own mind. And in learning about your own mind, what you're then doing is you're learning about everybody's mind. Because in, in the end, we are all spiritual beings who are connected and coming from the same source. So as we go inward into our own source, we're learning to understand uh, how other people are. And so he encouraged his students as they were leaving to become psychologists or therapists. And one form of uh, psychology and therapy is astrology. Uh, so then he encouraged me to become an astrologer, to connect with other people um, and to use that means to help them discover their path and how, and how they can enter a state of quantum alignment with what their soul is um, meant to be in this current incarnation. One of the things that you, know, you find with astrology is it's going to connect people to either why they're in a state of disease or what their healing path is. They're either in a state of disease because they're not following their true path. Yes. And so then astrology will say, hey, this is really what you should be working towards. And when they align with that, then their life opens up. Or their state of disease or discomfort and the reason they're coming forth to the astrologer is because that is their path and it is their healing path and they're meant to embrace that fully and then learn from that what they can give to the world. I engage with people on an astrological level looking to help them understand their mythic journey in the world. So then, you know, I... Um, started practicing astrology and connecting with people. And a few years later, one client of mine was selling her tea company, Planet Chai, <laughs> which uh, then I picked up uh, under her kindness, and she showed me how to run it. And um, that led me on the tea journey, which I also found as a gateway towards meditation and mindfulness and connectivity. Because when you share a cup of tea with someone else, then immediately it brings us all into a state of uh, mindful connectivity. And in that way, it's therapeutic. In that way, it's healing and connecting and nurturing. Uh, so then that was the path to these various modalities that I picked up. Wow. Fascinating. <laughs> I think we should cheers to that. Can we all cheers mm. to that softly? Cheers. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, do you, what do you taste when you drink the tea? Melon. 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 Mm -hmm. 
Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Like tea leaves. Oh, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really inspiring to hear your journey, and it sounds like it's exactly the way it's supposed to be. While you were telling that and sharing that story, I think that we as spiritual beings come into our physical vessel choosing to really live that life. How do you feel about that? Do you, do you see where I'm going with that? That the spirit comes into yeah. the body at that exact moment because it wants to live that particular journey. Right, right. Yeah, it, that really aligns with uh, what Aristotle was laying out in the myth of air, which is that before a soul incarnates, then it sees the path that it's going to take and it chooses that path and then it engages in it. But the challenge is that in engaging in that path, it takes a little bit of, um, we, we have to develop a heroic nature. Uh, we, we have to face the challenges that we're born with, with courage and openness and love in order to embrace fully that path. Because society as a whole is giving us a lot of input about um, what we should be and what we what they're selling us that we could be and none of that is who we are and it it takes a lot to like really sit down into the place of being who we are um, and what we have to offer as souls to to the universe and and accept it like for instance in astrology there's 12 houses and some of the houses are called angular and people with a lot of uh, planets and angular houses then are going to do things that affect society. And then some of the houses are called succedent. And so people with a lot of planets in the succedent houses in the chart, they're meant to bridge the uh, what the activity of those people who are going to affect society into society. And then there's cadent houses, and people with a lot of planets in cadent houses are meant to support society, not change it or affect it, but support it. So then we get a lot of imagery as we're growing up. That's uh, like you get the um, princess imagery for Disney or the heroic imagery from Star Wars. And everybody like adopts this sheath of a myth that they're going to be something extraordinary. And then if rather than being something extraordinary, they're more cadent housed, then their, their position and their role and their soul destiny is to be supportive. And if they can connect with that, then there's, contentment but if they still have this program running in their mind oh i need to be this other thing then there's discomfort uh so i I completely agree with you that a soul comes in with a purpose i just think it's a challenge like learning to accept what that purpose is and to be present with what your life actually is rather than what you think you want it to be or what other people have told you it should be and once you can do that then there's peace of mind Yeah, that sounds like harmony. And you mentioned the word contentment. Um, I really want to come see you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I really do. I think that if everyone had, you know, a special, I consider you a healer, a special healer in their community that knows so much about astrology, which is fundamentally right on. I mean, you can't really, we were talking about it earlier today, you can't really disagree with that in my perspective. Um, then you can kind of go through and recognize, okay, this, if there's something that comes up for you, in other words, you can almost be okay with it and process through that uh, because you know that that's in your stars, you know, that's coming, that's just going to happen. For example, I'm a Pisces and I'm very Uh fluid and I can flow in different directions and I don't really have a problem being guided back um, I don't find I'm okay with them. I'm like, oh, well, it's, it's cool over there too. You know, yeah, that's a great idea as well. You know, so having someone to kind of hold a container or explain the container that's already there would be just a magical idea, right? It would, it would all loop, leaps and bounds forward. So you're not spending so much time kind of ruminating on the negative Right, and really, right. it's just a direction that you're not supposed to be going in. That's how I see it anyhow. Absolutely. I, I really agree with you. That's one of the main ways that astrologers can help people um, find and feel connected to their own true self and their own true path. Because astrology is 
100% accurate. It's an accurate mirror of our relationship to the divine and to the myth of our own being. Um, I, I've just found that by the thousands of charts I read. Wherever Mars is going to be, yeah, someone's going to have some struggles. Wherever Saturn's <laughs> going to be, someone's going to have some struggles. You know, so wherever Jupiter's going to be, that's going to be a place where a person can kind of um, find a lot of joy and maybe even too much joy and lose their path by finding too much joy. Uh, where Venus is, it's where a person's going to find pleasure and maybe lose their path by finding too much pleasure. And, and so it's very just self-evident in the chart. And uh, one of the challenges, I think, when people go to see an astrologer, and if, you know, if anybody's listening and you're thinking about going to see an astrologer, uh, really check out the astrologer and, and do a reading or, or see how they are. Because as an astrologer, I know one of the um, most difficult things I see is when another astrologer uh, defines a client and, or a person. And then that person picks up that definition in their thoughts and self-limits rather than just sees it as a path. They see right. it as their limitation. And so you'd like looking for a good doctor uh, or a naturopath. You need to examine the person first. And you need to come to an idea of is your own relationship with that person going to open you or is it going to be something that um, then limits you because oh, they say that you're a Capricorn, and so then you're going to be stubborn. And then in the rest of your life, you're going to be like, oh, I'm just stubborn because I'm a Capricorn, rather than learning how to grow with that, uh, learning how that Capricorn nature gives you a kind of like a solidity and a, and a contemplation um, rather than being stubborn. Uh, so, so I think that's, you know, that's something that we do have to look at when we look at astrologers uh, and consider their own, uh, what they have to give. And how we relate to that. Because for some people, some astrologers that, like I might not like, are totally perfect. And they open the way for them. Uh, and then for other people, astro you know, an astrologer might not be perfect. So, yeah, it's a bit like a doctor. You, you go and you find the one that's got the medicine that's going to heal the challenges that you face. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing all that with us. So we have a couple questions that we ask here on the podcast and it's really to help our listeners and our live audience the two people we have here well riley's <laughs> considered part of our live audience um what kind of daily rituals or habits that you might have for yourself that you can share with others um that actually keep you into such an aligned place because you're a busy man. You have four mm -hmm. children. Mm -hmm. You're running multiple businesses. You're reading charts for everyone. You said thousands of charts you've read. So how do you keep it all together? <laughs> what is it that <laughs> well, you do personally? Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, the kids, the children, the different the different hats that I wear. It's, it, it is a challenge. And, and you're right, that uh, personal daily uh, ritual is uh, very important i think for all of us as humans it's it's how we connect to the cycle of of our own daily myth and life and i i wake up in the morning and get the kids ready and, and send them off to school and then then i do a meditation uh, I, I meditate for 15 minutes to half an hour and then through the day it's more about coming back to my own breath and the mindfulness that connecting with your breath brings to you. Because the ground of our experience is our mind. And so the ritual of connecting with our mind through the day is all that is needed in order to be present with whatever is arising. And so what I'll try to do is I'll find that when my mind becomes overactive with thoughts, that if I then breathe in and breathe out and stop and let my mind rest and relax into the space in the room around me, at that point, then I'm reconnecting with the original mind that is free of identity or subject or object. And reconnecting with that original mind places me in the center of my being and I can move out again into the world with authenticity from that. So then that would be the primary ritual I would describe. And it's very beneficial for people to go and do meditation retreats. 
in order to connect with that part of themselves. But the reality is in modern life, we have so much impulse coming to us that it's very hard to maintain uh, ritual practices and meditation practices, especially the more kind of karmic layers you've built up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with children, with jobs, with commitments to other people, then you start having all kinds of impediments or distractions to your own spiritual ritual and your own spiritual routine so you need to be able to tap back into that source that you discovered during your yoga retreats or during your meditation retreats or during your prayer retreats Uh, so then the morning ritual helps you stay connected with that and then through the day just relaxing into your mind and remembering your breath helps you find your source and find your center again and with that you have to have a little bit of compassion uh for yourself because you're gonna like for me like you know i'll watch a little tv i'll play some app games on my phone and this is all kind of me checking out and i have to have compassion for that my mind wants to relax and check out a little too so i have to be like oh that's okay you can do this for a little while and then come back and connect with the work and with the family thank you for sharing that i highly agree with you on the meditational aspect. I'm I'm a huge meditator myself and I've found that it really helps me um, not only as a practitioner but a yogi of sorts to really be centered and grounded through any discomfort I have being nervousness which then leads into panic attacks or anxiety or things like that. And I find that that is just helping. All those things are me being out of alignment and almost helping me recognize that I need to focus more on being more inwards and getting that connection with source. And I used to think it was the other way around. Like meditation helped me get away from being panic and anxiety Uh uh ridden. But now I'm recognizing, oh, okay, well, that just means I'm out of alignment. And the crazy thing is I was telling that to patients for years and years. Right. Like you're just out of alignment. You just need, like it was so simple. And then I ended up having to do really dig deep and do it myself. And so um, I definitely agree with you on all, that's all of that. brilliant. I mean, that's really brilliant because, because it sounds like what you're doing is you're taking the neurosis as the path. Yes. Which is like as soon as you find that you're out of alignment, then that becomes a path into your alignment. Yes. And, and that's really what m- the teachers that I've studied that are saying. Is they're saying that we have this mind that's ordinary and it goes crazy. And then if you reject it, then you're just creating further duality yes. and disalignment. Whereas if you see it for what it is and then go into it, then you're becoming aligned again. You're looking at what it is and it's revealing your natural mind again. Yes. That's really brilliant. Really, yeah. really brilliant. I like that. Thank you for saying that. That's very kind. I just found that it was something that it just kind of showed me. Uh-huh. The way after being with clients here in the office space for, you know, six or seven years and really working with each one, I would consistently say, um, you know, you're out of alignment here in this particular chakra because that's where it's physically affecting your body. Mm-hmm. Everything is energy then it manifests physically. So if you have a, you know, something going on with your throat, that's your throat chakra. So let's go there and let's align that energetically. And then we would dig into that. Yeah. So that's where that term quantum alignment as my therapy kind of came through. It kind of downloaded as this is the name because I was asking what is this that I'm doing? What is this? <laughs> Someone's got to tell me. And in that moment of meditation, it was like quantum alignment. I was Brilliant. like, cool. Brilliant. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that really was my word. Like, cool. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> like next. And like we kept going. But then I was doing that with one patient after another. Yeah. And then there was a moment where I must have been so out of touch with my meditational practice that I had to stop and really pull it back together. And then it was like, now any little thing, if I'm feeling just a little bit off, I can stop, do deeper meditation or take a lot of space and time for myself. A lot of my really close friends, families, people who work with me, they know that I take days off. Right. Like I have yeah. oh, brilliant. the yeah. luxury of you know, having a lot of time. Yeah. And so I'll just meditate for days or just be present for like days. The only person that sees me is my dog, Riley. I mean, it's that, it's yeah. that intense. That's kind yeah. of what I do. do. Do you find, like as an astrologer, I find that Oftentimes the clients who come to me, when they, when we're in consultation, they're teaching me 
I, I am learning oh my from gosh, them. Is yes. that the same with the... Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Every single patient that comes to me, wherever I'm, whatever I'm processing for them or with mm-hmm. them, I'm learning something. And on a level, it's about me as well because right. we vibrate on the same frequency. Yeah. Right? So if we're in a place of uncomfortability, we're going to vibrate. We're going to go out into the world and we're going to find the post person who's uncomfortable. We're going to find the grocer who's had a bad day. Like you're just going to vibrate on that same frequency. So absolutely. I find that absolutely. I mean, I guess that's what's meant by quantum because quantum is like everybody is working uh, together interdependently to, to grow. Yes. And and to uplift into greater levels of understanding of what it is to be human and divine. Absolutely. And I think if we can all just hear that with compassion and being, you know, you used the word contentment before, mm-hmm. but having contentment on like we're all doing the best we can, everybody. Right. You know, yeah. we're doing the best we can. So be compassionate for that other person who like runs the stop sign, you know, right, just right. they're having a rough, you'd have no idea, yeah. you know, and I think that's what's so amazing about our small community, mm-hmm. this world that we live in, that we've kind of gravitated towards is we're all very much that way, you know, we're like, oh, it's okay, go on, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I've joked with yeah. people before about being in a stop sign and actually it was this one right out here all four people realized in that moment that no one was going (laughs) and we were all so kind. We were just like waving at one another. But my joke usually is because I speak for cannabis around Uh the country. My joke usually is that everybody was so high. We could, didn't remember who stopped first Uh, because we're all like, what's going on? But you know, now it's a vibrational frequency Uh thing. We're all so high and we're just loving and kind to one another. And, and that's the whole thing about just being compassionate yeah. And recognizing everyone's doing the best they can and the support. So uh, Arcata is a special place in that way. I have heard before that Arcata, and I might be wrong about this, but that Arcata meant gathering place or place where light gathers. And really? It, it really makes sense when you think about what's happening in Arcata because it's, it's very remote and you're surrounded by redwoods. But it seems like this is a place where healers come to yes. and, and then they grow as healers and it's not it it doesn't have uh you know it's like some communities where healers gather might get really a little bit uh far out or new agey quote unquote but here it seems to be really grounded like people are very grounded in their healing experience and so i you know i always think about that i'm like oh arcada is gathering light healers that's part of the quantum alignment nature of this town Absolutely. I once heard, and maybe you can light, enlighten me on this, but I once heard that this was kind of the root chakra hub. And that would make sense that, mm. you know, people come here and then they put in their roots and they're really supported in their growth. Yeah. And I don't think that, I don't know if that has to do with Mount Shasta. I thought at one point that was the heart chakra Ooh. of the, the world, but I think that it might also be the root chakra. I don't know. I'm not sure. Clear on that. Do you know about that? Have not heard that. That's really, that's great myth. Yeah. That's great myth. (laughs) I'd love it. I don't know if it's true or not, but I mean, it feels it. It feels like it, you know, and I'm so connected to Mount Shasta and this area. I mean, we're just, we're very lucky. Yeah. Well, how long have the Redwoods been here? Rooting for longer than I have. Yeah. Like (laughs) it's it's some, it's amazing. Like 3 million years or something like this ecosystem has been basically what it is, whatever the world's been going through. So, you know, I can really like uh, harmonize with the myth that it's a root. Right. Because it's got that like deep ancient root of the redwood trees here, just holding the place together. Okay, we've, we've agreed on it. it. It's a pleasure yeah. speaking with you. I'm so excited to continue our conversation. But for right now, we're going to take a short little break and give a shout out to a local aligned business that I love so very much. And I believe that you will too. the rocking horse your natural choice for children's clothing and toys we're located in the jacoby storehouse on the plaza 
Our business hours are Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 5.30 p.m., Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., and Sunday, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for daily posts and announcements. Have a rocking day! Welcome back. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. I really appreciate you for being here. And during the break, we got to talk a little bit to Dorje about my reading, actually. So I'm very excited to do that with you at another time. I'm really serious about an appointment. Um, Because it sounds like this could be really helpful for me. and And I can see how this can be helpful for anyone. So speaking of getting into it, can you tell us what is going to be happening to our planet. <laughs> now, what's going on right now that would pertain to all the listeners, you know, anyone who's on this rock called Earth for, you know, a, a good number of years, not maybe just today astrology-wise, but what's going on? Right. Well, the, um, the major shift we're experiencing is that Uranus is moving out of Aries into Taurus. And Uranus rules upheaval, revolution, and transformation. It's been in Aries for the last eight years. Aries represents power and fire. And one of the things Uranus did as it traveled through Aries was initially, it immediately set off the tidal wave. That was uh, Fukushima, the earthquake and tidal wave. And, you know, created one of the largest nuclear disasters in history. And over its arc through Aries, it really transformed how humanity relates to power. And what we saw was that nuclear energy, which was really being geared up to be the salvation alternative energy, just suddenly fell away. And oil, which was like being geared up for peak oil, just suddenly fell away. And renewables, beyond any kind of capacity to understand why or how, really took off in the world over the last eight years. Now we're kind of experiencing some dinosaurs trying to hold us back. But (laughs) it it was a permanent shift. And, you know, it was marked by Elon Musk, like creating Tesla and creating his solar power factory, by China deciding they were going to create more solar panels, by Europe going into solar and wind. And so what you find is that whatever house Uranus is moving through, it's going to be over the course of that eight years transforming civilization's relationship to what that house implies. So civilization has transformed its relationship to power. The age of oil and nuclear appears to be coming to an end. And now, so what is it going to be that it's moving through Taurus? Well, here we are. We have um, Hawaii erupting as a volcano again. Uranus moves into a new sign. There's a very major Earth shift and signification that happens. That's like everybody can witness. The volcano in Hawaii is uh, quite, you know, magnificent yes. and it's being broadcast everywhere, just like the Fukushima earthquake and tidal wave was. Fortunately, there's not nearly the loss of life, and let's hope it. Let's hope Uranus is kind and keeps it that way. But Taurus has been associated fairly strongly with money. And wealth. And what it appears we're doing is we're moving into what is money is going to be changing. We're moving to from like the dollars uh, to everything's becoming a kind of cryptocurrency. Yes. And we're just at the beginning of that. So I, it, it appears to me like that is going to be one of the major shifts that uh, Uranus moving through Taurus is going to make over the next eight years. That how people relate to money, how governments relate to money, and how corporations relate to money is shifting. And we're moving into what may be an economy that's more 
barter based because cryptocurrency is in a way more of a barter based system that's uh, peer to peer versus a centralized holding bank power just like with Aries, oil and nuclear energy was a centralized holding power. And then solar and wind is much less centralized. So we're moving into where currencies are going to become much less centralized. And I believe that's one of the major markers that uh, Uranus through Taurus is going to show. I would like to also believe, also put out there, that it's going to help revitalize awareness of tribal roots. Uh, because uh, the Taurus is really it's uh, speaking to the fertile valley of humanity. And the fertile valley I associate with the tribal nature of humanity. So it's going to help people revitalize tribal ritual, tribal healing methodologies, and earth healing, because uh, Taurus represents the earth. So there's going to be more of an emphasis, uh, more technologies, uh, more rituals, and uh, more ceremonies for uh, recognizing how the earth needs to be healed over the next eight years. Uh, so, so that's what I see going on with this major movement of Uranus moving into Taurus. That's a huge piece. So that's going to be going on for the next eight years, meaning, you know, tw- um, 2025, 2026. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So that's very exciting. We have a lot to process during that time each just individually as well as our community is concerned and our countries as a whole i mean this is going to be a very amazing time to be alive right um, yeah. the the uh, an, a challenge with that is that as it's happening we're in uh saturn moving through capricorn and saturn moving through capricorn capricorn creates boundaries and borders and so all these nations are like creating boundaries about their borders and like really like instead of thinking of the commonwealth of humanity as a planet thinking about oh what is our nation so politically there's a little bit of a initially it's not going to be so apparent because politically there's a little bit of everybody's consolidating into conservatism and as what we might call ourselves quantum healers it's up for us to like really on a daily basis while uh, Capricorn is Saturn's in Capricorn to maintain an open heart. And like you were saying earlier in the podcast, like understand with empathy and compassion, the people who are stuck in trying to consolidate their boundaries and borders and really opening our hearts to help them open their hearts. So then I'd like to encourage everybody like during this time over the next two years when Saturn's in Capricorn and then the following two years when Saturn's in Aquarius to really meditate upon uh, healing, open, spacious mind for the world leaders uh, so that we don't fall into a period where there's too much power consolidation in um, corporate hierarchy. I really like that idea and I'm grateful that you brought something like that up for us and the listeners that no matter what your view is towards that that you just send healing it's it reminded me of the the wounded child Mm -hmm. and instead of bringing negativity to the wounded child you bring love and compassion and it's all vibrational frequency so we're working on an energetic vibrational frequency and if we're sending much like reiki Mm -hmm. you know not reiki one but reiki two you're sending that vibration to that particular individual it's uh, dr emoto have you mm-hmm. done research on his studies it's it's that kind of similar thing so no matter what we feel that we're disagreeing with that person or we're in agreement with that person we are sending vibrational frequency right. to it because yep. yeah. you know all negative just is negative it doesn't matter like why you feel that negativity it's still negativity mm-hmm. so i love that you bring that point because i think it's very very important for the listeners to just recognize it's just that plain and simple yeah. It doesn't yeah. have to be deeper than that. It's just, it's that's it. Putting forth the positive yes. intention. It's just love and compassion, high frequency vibrations towards all things, and, and it'll work out. Um, do you mind sharing, because you did bring that up, maybe a leading us into a mini meditation of how we could get there, because this is definitely going to strike a chord with some people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, instead of just telling them to do this, maybe mm-hmm. If you feel comfortable, you could give guide us through like a minute mm-hmm. or so of mm-hmm. how we would get into that space and mm-hmm. just how do we get into that place within ourselves or into that alignment within the highest selves that we can give compassion and love freely without being you know swayed by why we're giving it or who we're giving it to because that's the true place of alignment. Right, 
is not allowing (laughs) yourself to go into the stories, right? The stories Uh create this place within us where we're feeding that light through what I call fractalated place. Uh And then that light light doesn't get all the way through because Uh -uh. we're still mad over here. But how do we get into that one just pure consciousness light place and still the mind enough to just allow that to happen? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Thank you for asking. So we are karmic beings, which is that we're living in an interdependent karmic world with everybody who's alive today. And we don't really have control over the karma we've created. And currently we're experiencing the karma we've created. So what do we have control over? We, we have control over our own minds, hopefully, to some degree. And what we can do with the karma we've created is we have the power of aspiration. So then any meditation, if it starts with the power of aspiration and motivation and good motivation, will have a good result because the motivation is to benefit others. And so then first thing you do is you go like, well, may all beings benefit from this meditation. May they all experience uh, happiness and the causes of happiness from this meditation. So as soon as you've like set that intention forth, you've already created a, a future karmic wave that helps generate happiness, that helps generate the experience of happiness, not just for yourself, but for all beings, because you've said for all beings. So you're dropping in a well wish into the universal well. You say, may they endlessly experience happiness and benefit. So that well wish never runs out, so that it's endlessly there and can help anybody in the future have a happiness experience, an experience of joy, an experience of bliss, and an experience of clarity. And then once you set that intention of like, may all beings have happiness, Uh, may I I meditate so that all beings have happiness and joy endlessly, then then you relax your mind and you uh, relax into your body and you sit with your back straight and you breathe in and you breathe out. And then you relax your mind and breathe in and breathe out. And maybe you recall or you bring to mind someone or some situation that is tense. And you breathe in and out, and you relax the tension of that visualization. And you breathe in, and you breathe out. And that person or situation that you visualize, you breathe in black or dark smoke from it, and you breathe out rainbow, vivid, clear light into it, and that person lightens up, that situation lightens up and becomes blissful and relaxed, and all the negativity of that dissolves. And then afterwards, you do what the Buddhists call dedicating the merit. You say, by the activity of this meditation, the activity of lightening this uh, heaviness of this person or situation, then may all beings have happiness and freedom and be free from suffering. It's really interesting. It's, it's called tongling in Buddhism. It's I was called ask you that. Yeah. taking of others' suffering and then the wow. giving of your joy. And it's a powerful form of self-sacrifice in a way, but it's not really. Like uh, some people have some concept about it that you're actually taking someone else's suffering. You're, you're not taking someone else's suffering. Um, one time, like my teacher, Chagdad Rinpoche, he, 
he was teaching how to do this. And I went home and I did it for a day and I started getting hives on my body. And I was really proud. I was like, oh, you know what? I did this so good that I like actually am having like physical illness manifest on me. And I went back and I told him because I was, you know, it was like kind of a courageous pride of like, look how I can take suffering on and transform it. And he looked at me and he said, you this believing, this not thinking like this. And what he meant was everything is dreamlike in nature. So if you attach that there's something really happening, then you're just being neurotic and creating more neurosis. Whereas if you just see it all as a play of light and you're transforming everything into a lighter experience, then that's the meditation. You're like removing other people's suffering. And it's very potent, not just for relaxing your own mind and putting uplifting energy into the world, but it's also potent for developing your own empathy because you're coming to a place of understanding. So you're putting out this aspiration that this other being who's suffering, uh, and ideally it's the practice is strongest if that person is someone you can have difficulty with, is an enemy of sorts, whether it's personal or, uh, or abstract, but you're coming to understand their suffering. And in that way, you're dissolving your own dualistic bonds of thinking the world is about you and them and understanding how we're all interconnected and we all have the same aspirations and the same wishes to be happy. And in that way, we're also dissolving our confusion of thinking the world is about good and bad, us and them, and getting trapped in duality because we're all interconnected spirit. There is no duality. Thank you for that. That's very wise information. And um, I hope that the listeners grab something from what you just said, because I know that that definitely affected us here. I'm wondering, with all of your studies and with your research and, and the way that you go about life, what your mantra for life would be because you've said so many key pieces just in the time that we've been together this morning that I could immediately like take on as a life mantra they're just so potent and so powerful so I'm wondering what your one would be it's a really interesting question because if you look at what mantra is mantra is vibration mantra is the sound of vibration and then what is a particular mantra or what is a particular vibration for an entire life? That it's, it's a challenge to, to contemplate that. But what I would really you know, wish for is that my mantra is that all beings have happiness and relaxation and love. And... I would like every day all of my actions and whoever I connect with to, by that connection, find more happiness and love in their life. So, yeah, that would be my mantra is to help others find happiness and love. And I think you're successfully doing that with, you know, the services that you're providing for our community as an astrologer for your bothering children. Uh, how did you say that before? <laughs> propagating uh, I don't know what you <laughs> collecting, said before. collecting collecting something like that I thought that was hilarious um yeah. you having you know your full line of teas that you're moving forward with and I just think that everything that you're doing is kind of wrapping all of those pieces up so in many ways you are sharing that love and connection with other people and I appreciate you for that so if we were to give a self-care recipe to a listener, say the idea is that we're creating a superhuman, right? What were some of the things that you would suggest other people to do to really hold themselves, to really take care of themselves? Because I think what I'm recognizing is a lot of people don't really do deep, divine self-care work. I think the radical self-care work is is maybe something that people don't really look at as much and, and I should say from my perspective as being a physician I get people who come in and they say oh I do you know get a massage once a week or I'll take a bath 
or the best one is I have a glass of wine. You know, these kind of things. And yes, those are great self-care, but we're talking at a deeper level, Mm -hmm. like a deeper level. And so I'm wondering from your perspective what you would share with people. Obviously meditation, obviously creating yourself a ceremonial tea, you know, getting in connection with your highest self. Those are ones that we've talked about today. Are there any other that you would add to that recipe or that concoction? I'm glad you asked because... Okay. Really, what you're uh, indicating is is like, how do we nurture ourselves moment to moment? Yes. And one really simple method that is very employable, all it uh, calls for is recollection, is that whenever you make yourself a cup of tea, that as you're making it, you think, may this tea nourish the goodness in me, and may it nourish the health, and may it nourish my ability to be good and healthy with other people. And just by, again, it comes down to like aspiration. You're then putting that vibration and aspiration into that cup of tea or that glass of wine or that barbecue or that vegan burrito, whatever the case, like then you're nurturing that with yourself and you're taking that in and you're working on creating positive aspiration for yourself and others. So that would be my suggestion, just whatever your activity, like, Think positively about it and put out positive aspirations as you engage in it. Well, that was fabulous. And I appreciate you and your wisdom that you're bringing to our podcast today. Before we leave, we have one quick little thing that we do. It's kind of a, a fun little thing. And it is pulling from the Wisdom for Healing cards. Oh, boy. So what we're going to do, I know it really is actually exciting. (laughs) I don't know if I like it more than the guests, but we do it every time. So what we'll have you do is kind of shuffle through. You can feel it out vibrationally or however you'd like to choose. You'll pull one card. And while you're doing that, I'll play the singing bowl. Okay. And when you find one, then you can share with the guest. Ah. Clear out the debris. Nice. It's kind of decluttering, right? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Today's lesson, engaging in psychic cleansing. How much debris do you carry in your energy field? Debris is generated by irritation, stress, unfinished business, and mental and emotional toxins. It's distracting and disempowering to the healing process. Your goal, to release unnecessary thoughts and emotions. Oh, that's that's pretty perfect. Yeah. How do you feel like that resonates with your message today or, you know, our podcast or anything? Well, yeah, like we've talked about throughout the day, one has to drop into one's own center in order to clear out the emotional and the mental debris that one's picking up is going through and having interactions with other people. And also what's just arising in your own mind because of previous interactions, karmic volitions. So then every day, you know, throughout the day, just sit and breathe and relax and find your center and that's going to clear out the debris. Also helps to keep your house clean. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have heard that um, it's a representation of what's going on internally. Like if you have like a dirty car or a dirty house or like disorganization, like that's what's going on within yourself as well. Like you're disorganized. So it is nice to do that spring cleaning or, you know, just get rid of things or make things more tidy and more organized. I know it helps me. <laughs> I don't know if it helps anyone else, but totally, it yeah. helps me. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of like. In so do you do? Place. Do you ever do smudges? Oh yeah, yeah. I that, grew that up that with a shaman family, so it's like too. my dad's sage and everything, cinnamon yeah. bark and everything, eggs on a Friday, scissors <laughs> underneath the bed. I, yeah, the whole nine yards. Like, <laughs> oh, I want to know about that cinnamon bark. <laughs> yeah, on Friday, I think. I'll have to ask him. I should know this because it was years and years and years of it. I think he does the cinnamon bark on Tuesdays, the eggs on Fridays. That might be backwards. But even when I go home for holiday, we're all on that schedule. Wow. Mm -hmm. Incredible. 
thank you so much for being here today. Before you take off, can you tell us a little bit about where we can find you? Maybe your internet information. Right, right. Okay, yeah. uh, for astrology, I'm at heartastrology.com. And uh, I have a Facebook page, Heart Astrology. And then for tea or any other conversation, planet-teas.com. And there's also a Facebook page, planet-teas. Uh, so then those are the best ways to connect with me. And I'm happy to talk about astrology with anybody. I'm happy to talk about tea with anybody. So feel free, uh, connect, floods and, floods and, and um, look calls. forward to meeting everybody. <laughs> I'm serious about still wanting your next available appointment. Okay. Um, for you. Thank you so much, really, for making time to be here today. Yeah. It's been a pleasure and an honor, like, learning so much about you. Finally, I've wanted to meet you for a long time, and learning about your process of your tea and, and everything that you're doing. And, you know, helping our listeners really to get closer to aligning themselves with their highest self, meaning their mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional bodies. And to you, the listener, thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Dr. Pepper Hernandez. I would love for you to have a magical, wonderful day. And let's try to make this your very best week ever. This episode is brought to you by Sleeping Standing Cows.